Today, we host a triple threat of guests to give us a deep dive into the launch of Base, Coinbase's Layer 2 that just launched. Base is an Ethereum Layer 2 that offers a secure, low-cost, developer-friendly way for anyone, anywhere to build decentralized applications. Today, we have Jesse Pollock, Senior Director of Engineering at Coinbase, Eva Balin, the director of the Graph Foundation, and Ben Jones, the director of the Optimism Foundation. Each played a role in the recent BASE launch and development. Today, we talk about the evolution of BASE from inside a Fortune 500 company, the importance of decentralized tools like the Graph and Optimism, the importance to think positive sum, not zero sum, advice that Jesse has to go towards decentralization inside a centralized company, and how we plan to onboard millions of dApps and billion users with Coinbase. So great to have all of you here. Jesse, we all know Coinbase. We all know and love Coinbase. You just announced your own layer two called Base. Can you tell us a little bit about your role at Coinbase currently and then give us the TLDR on Base? Yeah. Um, hey everyone, I'm Jesse. Uh, I, so I've been at Coinbase for six years. Uh, I joined at the beginning of 2017 and I spent the first four and a half years um, basically growing all of the engineering teams that built our consumer facing products. Um, and so that started with a team of me plus like three or four in 2017. And then, um, you know, Coinbase, Coinbase Pro, Coinbase Wallet, we grew those teams to a little more than 200 engineers by the time I kind of stepped back from that role in 2021. And then for the last year and a half or so, um, I've been working with a single mandate with a small team. And the mandate is basically figure out how do we take Coinbase, which is you know, this incredibly important institution in the crypto economy, um, but also in many ways a Web2 company uh, because it was built in 2012, um, because all of its systems are, are built kind of primarily off chain um, uh, and figure out how do we accelerate um, the migration of our products, our users, our assets on chain. Um, we started doing that with things like USDC and Coinbase Wallet and CBNFT and CBETH, um, but it's still a really small percentage of our overall um, product suite and, and activity. And so my job has been figure out what do we need to do to make it so instead of 90, 10 off chain, we're hundred percent on chain. Uh, and how do we get there over the next many years? Um, so that's the kind of role that I've had at Coinbase. What's base? Uh, base is an Ethereum L2. Uh, it's built on the OP stack in collaboration with Optimism. And we see it as the platform that's going to help a million builders uh, create the applications that will bring a billion users on chain. Um, and that's our goal. It's to create real world utility uh, with this new platform that makes it so we can enter the next phase of the crypto economy where everyone's using crypto every day. Uh, and we think we can do that by uh, really deeply integrating base with the Coinbase developer products, uh, which are kind of growing every day. Um, and then I think more importantly, the Coinbase consumer products and make it so that, you know, the 110 million plus users, um, you know, 80 plus billion assets in the Coinbase ecosystem can use layer two almost without thinking about it. Uh, and they can stop having to make complex infrastructure decisions around which chain am I using and when and why and how and is it secure? And they can start just using the applications that they wanna use. Um, and so that's our goal with base, make it really, really easy for a billion people to come on chain. Amazing. I love that. And I would say it's more of a Web 2.5 company. You have to give yourself a little more credit. It's definitely <laughs> exciting to see you all go a little bit more crypto native, especially in lieu of, you know, all the... I would say 2.6, Tegan. 2.6. Okay, perfect. We're moving up. We're getting closer. <laughs>
Amazing. So, and Jesse, you know, Coinbase is a publicly traded company. Why launch your own layer two as opposed to just using one that already exists? Yeah. And, you know, we, in the beginning of 2022, um, we really started looking at this question of how do we come on chain by working with internal teams and trying to figure out what are the challenges they were struggling with. And I think what we saw was people were struggling with really basic questions about building on-chain applications. In particular, they were asking, how do we build on-chain applications? I.e., literally, what language do we use? Are we writing in EVM, uh, Solidity in EVM? Are we writing in you know, Rust and Solana? Are we creating app chains in Cosmos land? Um, and most people were kind of by default choosing EVM, and then they were getting stuck with, like, where do we build on-chain? Uh, we have this application. Do we put on L1? Oh, no, it's too expensive. Do we put on L2? Oh, we don't know which one. Uh, how do we make a decision here? And so in the first half of last year, uh, we basically aligned the whole business around EVM as the primary development platform, Ethereum as the L1, um, and L2 as this place that we knew we wanted to build, um, but we weren't quite sure how it was going to shape up. Um, and then the second half of last year, we went and we worked with basically every L2 team across the company, uh, across the kind of industry, got to know them, got to understand how they think about L2, um, and built a lot more perspective on how we think about L2. And I think one of the perspective shifts that really happened for us is we went into that process thinking that there was going to be one big L2, it was going to be monolithic, and the most important thing for Coinbase was like picking the right L2. And I think we left that process feeling much more like there were going to be many L2s. They were going to work together. They were going to be interoperable. They were going to scale together. And they were going to form almost this super chain that together would scale Ethereum, scale this on-chain platform. And with that perspective, I think our feeling was we can kind of have the best of both worlds if we make our contribution to a super chain. We can both have a native platform for Coinbase that's on-chain that can give our teams, our users, our uh, community the kind of surety of you know if you know you're building here, you're going to get the best security, you're going to get interoperability with Coinbase products, everything's just going to work out of the box. And we could do that in a way where we weren't cutting ourselves off and we weren't being an island, but instead we were almost acting as a bridge where we'd be interoperating with L1 through through kind of the L1, L2 construction. We'd be interoperating with other L2s through the super chain construction and building on the OP stack. And then we'd be able to also think about even Solana, Cosmos, finding ways to, to connect with those communities and ecosystems as well. And I think in that context, it, it just made sense. The dots connected for us. It was like, we need the catalysts for us to start to change our business. Here's this platform that's going to change our culture. That's going to change the way we build, the way we think. Let's, let's go and do it. And here we are. Amazing. So much to double click into there. I want to talk about the super chain in a second and also some of that due diligence. But first, maybe Eva, Ben, you know, you both head up two foundations within the crypto ecosystem. And in many ways, this announcement is validation for the tech stacks that both of you work on, you know, day in and day out. So I would love to have a little bit of your background of the foundations uh, and also why this is such big, big news for you both. Yeah, I can go ahead. So um, I'm director of the Graph Foundation, the Graph being the um, open data layer um, for indexing and querying blockchain data. Um, you know, in general, we are blockchain agnostic, and that's part of the vision. But for us, what's really exciting about um, more building on the OP stack and base in itself is just the proliferation of chains and the ability for devs to then choose the environment that they um, really want, you know, depending on the trade-offs that that environment has. Um, you know, the Coinbase ecosystem is already so flourishing that there is this whole new, um, I think, opportunity 
set that developers have if they want to choose to build on base. Um, and for us, it's exciting to have, you know, the ability to support that. So the graph supports um, the testnet from day one, and we've got all the resources to make it as easy as possible, basically, for developers to test it out. That's my turn. What's going on, y'all? Um, I'm Ben, like Tegan said, uh, a director at the Optimism Foundation. You know, Tegan, I think your initial question of validation around the stack for me, honestly, undersells the amount of validation and excitement that I feel with the announcement of base and, you know, being here in a call with all these lovely people. Um, obviously, the OP stack, which is the code that empowers not just Optimism mainnet, but now will em empower base and empower a whole lot more, uh, you know, chains in the future as we build towards the super chain. Um, obviously, it's a validation that what we've done with a modular stack that allows people to go and run with the code um, in a way that's secure and decentralized and doesn't require bootstrapping a whole network. All that is super important for us. But honestly, that's also something that we've been working on for years. And so in some sense, it would be like, what the heck are we doing right now if we didn't have a really solid stack? And so the bedrock release of the OP stack is basically this incredible effort um, driven by the community, people on the OP Labs engineering team. Now we can include Coinbase is a core developer as well, and they've already started giving back. So thank you, Jesse. Um, the most important thing really for me that this validates is honestly just the importance of public goods. Like what we have here is a major player, like we said, one of the most important in the crypto economy coming in and entering the space in a way that isn't just like go off and do your own thing, right? And for a long time, right, one of the staunch, you know, very important stances that we've taken since the beginning is that the OP stack should be a public good. That means not just that you can view the source code and take a look at it, but it means it's MIT licensed and anyone can go and run with it. And what's huge for me and for all of us is seeing the fact that a big player like Coinbase will come in and play the positive sum game. They're not just going to take that free MIT code and go run with it. They understand that what we need to do is have a lot of chains and scale them together. Because the reality is, you know, Optimism Mainnet has been, you know, live for two years. We've saved almost $3 billion in fees. The reality is that is not enough to reach the billion people that Jesse was just talking about. It's just not. And the same is true of base. And the same is true of any one person building any one chain on the OP stack. So for us, it's a validation that to really reach the masses, we need to expand. And the OP stack and public goods are the way to do that. Totally. I love that positive sub mindset. And can you double click into what does it mean for Coinbase to be an OP core dev? Totally. Yeah. So right now, um, similar to Ethereum governance, I would say that, that that's like relatively loosely defined. And, um, you know, we've gone from one to two. So there's like a, now more of an urge for us to work together and clarify a lot more of that. Most importantly, what it means is that we're both putting our resources towards making the underlying technology, the standard of the OP stack, as good as stinking possible. Um, so, you know, there, there's lots of more nuance and details that I could go into. But to me, just the most important thing is we're building one thing, right? It, it's the nature, it's the essence of that positive sum mentality we're talking about, where everybody's contributing to the same code base. And when one project gets better, all projects get better. So to me, that's what's most important. Yeah, 100% to that. And I think, you know, our, our perspective is it's like all about putting our time, money and energy where our mouth is and writing code uh, that makes this stack more secure, more scalable, more decentralized um, and doing that in a way where we're not off on our own, but we're working in community with Optimism, with OP Labs, with all the other people who are starting to build on the OP stack. And so I think there's a bunch of forms that's going to take. Um, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that no one 
like picked up on this before. We've been landing PRs on the OP stack repo now, I think for something like six months, uh, just contributing code, uh, trying to find things that, you know, we see that can be improved. I mean, I think that pace of those PRs is, is going to increase. And, um, you know, we're exploring things like building other clients because we think that multi-client implementations is super, super important. Um, uh, and, and I think there's going to be a bunch of other teams uh, that, are, that are thinking along similar lines of how do we contribute to this code base to make it uh, as powerful as possible while keeping it MIT, MIT licensed, which means it's freely available. Anyone can fork, anyone can do whatever they want with this. But I think our, our thesis is that if we make it good enough, we make the infrastructure good enough around it, and we make the community good enough, people will opt in to participate in something that's bigger than just themselves. Absolutely. I love that. And then Eva, I want to kind of understand a little bit more around the role that the graph is playing when it comes to base. Can you tell us a little bit about how it increases development on base? Yeah, for sure. So the graph at its core is um, providing data from blockchain. So it can be raw data in some of our newer products like Firehose. Um, but the standard that we have is called a subgraph, which is an API, which makes it incredibly easy for anyone to get blockchain data. Um, and more so, it's open source. So um, any subgraphs that have been built before can be reused used by other developers. So what's really exciting for us about Base is that this can really proliferate a whole new set of um, developers coming in from other chain communities that already you know, know the graph um, and also want to learn and how to, uh, how to build on uh, the OP stack Base, you know, even just getting access to um, the new things that will come out of the Base ecosystem that might be unique to that chain. Um, but also, you know, we see that the, the mission to, what was it, 1 million devs, 1 million dApps, um, you know, a big part of that is, um, can we make it easier for people to actually build? Like, right now we're so early that it takes, you know, um, an arm and a le leg to finish a hackathon project over a weekend. Um, can we make it much, much simpler? Um, so Ben's laughing over there because he knows. <laughs> um, and, and so the graph is a big part of that, right? Like, if you don't have to actually run a server, run your own proprietary code, even, you know, have to be the one indexing and you can rely on the open source community um, that's built around that or, you know, very quickly deploy, um, you know, a subgraph. And there's also, you know, other protocols um, in, in this uh, vein as well. Um, but really, we, we think this is the way to get more developers on a chain, make it much easier for people to bridge from being a Web2 JavaScript developer to, you know, a Solidity or a front-end developer for dApps. Amazing. And then, Ben, do you want to see more Layer 2s launching in this capacity? Is this the future where everyone has their own Layer 2? Oh, I sure do. Well, it also means redefining what a layer two is. And this speaks to what Jesse was getting at earlier, which is the point of the super chain isn't to have a bajillion chains, really, like it, it's a requirement. But the point is for them to all sort of disappear and for folks to just look at the applications and interact with the applications that they're using. Like, no, in... In what, you know, only in like the early 80s were you thinking about the equivalence to chain IDs when you were accessing the internet, right? And you don't think today about what is my tier two and my tier one service provider when I'm going to log into Twitter to view the latest shit post. It just happens, right? Um, so yes, 100%, but don't let that be the point because it's not. If you liked our recent episode with Matthew Gold on digital identity in Web3, then I have the perfect podcast for you. Web3 with A16C Crypto. Produced by venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, this podcast is your definitive resource for the future of the internet, from the latest trends to research and insights from top scientists, developers, and creators. And if you need somewhere to start, I'd highly recommend listening to their heavy-hitting episode with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia's Rob McElhenney on the future of decentralized media. 
Follow Web3 with A16C Crypto on your favorite listening app. Tell them that Defiance sent you. Jesse, kind of back to that due diligence phase. I'm imagining a gigantic whiteboard with every single layer two type and name on it. How out of all of that, can you t- just double click a little bit more into how you chose optimistic rollups using the OP tech stack? Yeah, and uh, no whiteboard, just a lot of docs. <laughs> I'm a doc. I'm a prolific doc writer. Jesse is a top tier doc writer for sure. I'm also a very. Uh, I have very specific preferences around styles of docs and I'm very uh, focused on making sure that they look good. So it's, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, this was, this was really almost like a year and a quarter long process where we identified that we needed to start having some perspectives around where our teams build and kind of what our, our perspective is on this architecture that's going to power the on-chain economy. Um, and then we tried to figure out and triangulate like, what is that architecture and how do we fit into it? You know, I think the things that really stood out to us about optimism in the OP stack, there are a few of them. So one, like Ben said, um, and, and for me, this almost feels like a prerequisite um, for, for anything, uh, is the technology is really powerful. It's modular. Uh, and that gives us this ability to kind of continually upgrade and improve the chain. And so you asked, you know, how do you choose an optimistic rollup? Um, we don't feel like we're making the choice of an optimistic rollup. Um, we feel like we're making the choice of a modular toolkit that's going to start with an optimistic prover, fault prover, and then over time will be upgraded with the best technology that's available. And so we're already talking with uh, a number of ZK EVM teams about how can we get a ZK validity prover for the OP stack? Um, and how do we do an incremental upgrade so that ZK validity prover can either run alongside or replace any fault prover that we do roll out? Now, is that going to take time? Absolutely. Um, but I think our feeling was if we have a strong technical foundation that's modular, then as these technologies mature, we can basically plug in the things that are going to be most powerful um, and serve our customers the best, both developers and users. And so, you know, I think that modularity and the technical capabilities of the OP stack was, um, uh, you know, one of the biggest reasons. That said, what I will say is across the board, I mean, the, the level of talent and innovation and capability of every L2 team is wild. The Arbitrum team, they're, you know, at the cutting edge. They, they have fault proving live uh, in, a, in a really powerful setup. Um, I've been really inspired by all their work. Um, the scroll team, you know, I think is further further along in terms of uh, ZK EVM equivalents, uh, doing things that no one thought was possible, you know, a year or two ago. Um, Polygon, you know, like trying to figure out how do we come from POS to an L2? How do we do incremental upgrades? I mean, all of these teams and the technologies that they're building are just absolutely incredible. And my hope and, and goal and, and what we want to do is find ways for all of us to work together because the sum of the parts is going to be way bigger than in them individually. And the rising tide is going to lift all these boats. There's so much growth. We are literally at day zero. Um, uh, and if we work together, I think we're going to be able to capture that growth faster and do it in a positive sum, win-win-win way that you know helps everyone succeed and, and brings more users and developers into the, the crypto economy. So anyways, that was a long-winded way of saying technology was a big uh, factor. And we've been Im- impressed and you know inspired and excited to collaborate with all the incredible other people building great technology too. Um, the other, other two factors that I think really stood out to us 
or three, um, were, was the fact that the technology stack's open source and MIT licensed, which means that's freely available. Um, and it uh, basically adheres to the same licensing policy as Ethereum. Uh, and I think our, uh, we think about L2 as an extension of Ethereum. Um, and we see the open, freely available nature of Ethereum as absolutely critical um, in terms of being the kind of base foundation layer of the crypto economy. Um, that openness, that permissionlessness, that uh, freely available nature is the thing that's going to create more innovation. It's going to the thing that's going to create uh, more accessibility. It's going to make it really be possible to be a global platform. And so for Coinbase, uh, kind of doubling down on that uh, and contributing to that open source platform and, and helping us, you know, helping push that, that as uh, kind of a, a resource that anyone could use. So that as we contribute, we're, we're making kind of the technology better for everyone um, was the second big factor. Um, the third big factor was, like Ben said, you know, public goods and finding sustainable ways for public goods. Um, we believe that the kind of foundation for the crypto economy is on public goods, you know, starting with the Internet and the open source software that powers the Internet, building up through, uh, you know, Ethereum and things like Geth and Nethermind and Aragon that, that these teams have been building for almost a decade at this point, um, uh, you know, incredibly, uh, and then through OP Stack and through all the technology built on that. And so um, uh, finding a way to contribute back to that felt really important to us. Um, that's why we're, at, we're going to be taking a portion of the kind of fee revenue that's generated by BASE uh, and, and committing it to uh, retroactive public goods funding through the Optimism Collective. Uh, we're really excited about that. I mean, it felt like that as a value uh, was the third big factor. And then the fourth big factor was you know, we actually started working with the Optimism team almost a year and change ago, um, not on base. Uh, we started working together on EIP 4844 or Proto Dank sharding, which is an upgrade to Ethereum that's going to make all layer two rollups something like 10 times cheaper. And I think the the act of collaborating on Ethereum and using that opportunity to write code with each other and get to know each other and build alongside each other on this thing that was bigger than either of us um, just laid a really strong foundation for uh, us collaborating together. Um, it gave us a context to build trust. It gave us a context to, you know, feel out how do we work? How do we think, uh, you know, how, how do we fit together? Are their docs good enough? Are their doc writing skills up to my style format? <laughs> um, and I think that, that, that was a huge contributor too. you know, getting to spend, you know, cause we really spent a, uh, nine months probably working on 4844 before we started working on the OP stack and base. Um, uh, and, and this is a pattern I've seen kind of across the board that starting with collaborating on Ethereum is this incredibly powerful like rallying point and shelling point on top of which you can then layer on other collaborations that make the ecosystem stronger, better, but still inherit that ethos of what makes Ethereum great, which is the permissionless, the openness, the, the freely availableness, the community-ness, the globalness. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was the fourth big factor that, that helped us kind of start working with optimism. Jesse, talking about the win-win-win, I feel like this is the mistake that traditional Web2 companies make when assessing decentralization and permissionlessness is that they're underestimating network effects. And like the win-win-win is really possible. We're going to see it play out like for the OP stack, for base, for any apps that are built on top of base and seeing that like pervade through like the vertical integration essentially that we can have in a very decentralized way. So I, I just like wanted to echo that and as a, sort of like a kudos to Coinbase for making that step and, and realizing that there is sort of a better world than being permissioned. Yeah, 100 percent. 
And I think we're, we're, we're already starting to see so many powerful examples of this. Like just yesterday I was on Twitter and, and someone on, on Ben, on the like OP Labs team maybe, posted the first super chain dashboard that showed activity on the super chain. And like we helped 10x activity on the super chain. You know, and that's like, you know, in the test nets, we just have a test net right now. But if you look at Optimism and Coinbase test nets, now there's 10x more activity. And like that win, 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 where it's like, okay, someone on the Optimism team created a dashboard that shows how we work together and how we're scaling together and how that's going to serve Optimism, how that's going to serve base. And then also how that's going to serve the ecosystem by bringing in 10 times more developers. Like that's just unheard of. And this is the thing that me and Ben and Jing and Liam and the Optimism team have kept coming back to as we've gone through this process of trying to figure out how to work together across a public company that's Fortune 500 and a collection of entities that make up Optimism, including, you know, a very cutting edge DAO. And I think the thing that we've kept, you know, coming back to is no one's ever done this before. Like we are at the cutting edge. We are pushing the limits of what's possible. And I think there's frequently moments where I think all of us feel the, the like zero sum uh, intuitions coming up in, in us and feel the like, oh, we need like more for ourselves, less for others coming into it and regrounding ourselves in like, no, look at the history of crypto. The history of crypto is positive sum and we are still at day zero and there is so much growth. And if we push down those intuitions and lift up the intuitions of this win-win-win positive sum ethos that has you know pervade you know been pervasive in crypto thus far, we're going to be able to do so much more. Um, and we're the ones who set the rules. You know, like we're the ones who are defining what's possible. Uh, and that has been you know a rallying cry, I think, for all of us. One super treat team, one super dream, scaling the crypto economy. I love that, Jesse, and I feel like it's it's incredible to see that th this kind of happen within the Coinbase ecosystem as a publicly traded company. You know, it's not always easy to get something like this through. And so what advice do you have to maybe other people that want to do something similar at a centralized company? Uh, what, what advice do you have for them to kind of go more positive sum, get away from the walled gardens, the vendor lock-in? It's going to be hard. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my advice, right? Like be committed for the long term and don't expect change to happen overnight. You know, I, at Coinbase, like it, it literally was two years for me of trying to figure out what's the right path, trying a bunch of things that didn't work, getting my team shut down. Like, you know, it was, it was like a pretty brutal two years of wandering in the desert. Um, but we kind of kept this vision of like, there's something here, there's something here, there's something possible here. And really the thing that kept us going was, our belief at Coinbase is that on-chain is the next online. And what that means is that the whole world is going to be transformed over the next 10 years. And we're going to see the same kind of transformation to businesses that happened as folks went from offline to online. And what that means is there's the opportunity for hundreds, thousands, millions, you know, all of the online but not on-chain Web2 companies to go through this transition. And our feeling is like, if Coinbase can do this, so can others. And we need to lead the way. And that rallying cry of like, let's figure it out so everyone else has like a beacon, uh, like a light at the end of the tunnel of this is possible. Um, that I think has, has been the thing that's kept us, you know, rallying through this. And so I, I guess my, my advice would be, it's gonna be hard. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is possible, although we obviously have a lot more work to do at, at Coinbase. And I would focus on like, Focus on your customers internally and figuring out 
How do you use the on-chain platform, which every day is getting more and more powerful to deliver real value for those internal teams and customers? And I think there's so many examples of this. Like for instance, this NFT campaign that we're running right now, which anyone can mint at mint.base.org. Um, uh, we built that using Zora. It took us one day and we then distributed it to hundreds of thousands of wallets. And now we're doing an incredibly cool campaign where we're rotating the artwork and changing the metadata. And that's updating in everyone's wallets all over around the world. Like that, that wasn't possible before the on-chain platform. And you couldn't do that in a day, even six months ago or nine months ago. These tools every day are getting more and more powerful. And I'm convinced that they're starting to be 10 times more powerful than just online tools. And so find the ways inside your company to take those tools, use them to deliver value to your teams, to your customers, to your executives, and show how powerful this platform can be and build the case to say, hey, we should bring more onto it because we're going to get more efficiency. We're going to get more value. We're going to get more engagement from our customers. Amazing. Yeah. Mint.base.org. That's some alpha, everyone. So make sure you go and mint your NFT. I don't know if it's <laughs> alpha. This is a commemorative NFT, uh, like you know, one per address. Uh, we're really excited about getting people to be a part of kind of celebrating what base is. Amazing. Super exciting. Ben, I want to shift gears a little bit to kind of the human element of this partnership, of this relationship. You know, you've been working in the forest of layer two scaling for a very long time. And one of the advantages of of open, credibly neutral protocols is that they allow third parties to begin experimenting without asking permission. And so I want to ask a little bit about how this relationship went down. Was it more of like online? Because I know you guys met a while ago, as Jesse mentioned, but how did it go down? Did it happen at an event? Did it happen online through your Discord? How did you kind of go about starting to work with Coinbase? Sure, I can touch that. I'm I'm trying to come up with like a funny story. Like I, I ran into Jesse in a speakeasy, and you know the two a.m. No, I, I mean, I mean, the reality is, you know, Jesse already touched on this, and I'll echo the same sentiment, which is that it was starting to work on four eight four four together when things really started to gel. And I'll just say, and I'll just like play back that exact story from. Our, from Optimism's perspective, right, which is like exactly what we were doing with the work on 4844. And like, in, in fact, one of the OP Labs, you know, team members is like half of the proto in the name proto dank sharding for all this, right? So we've always encouraged that kind of behavior. And for us, it, it this is a perfect example of the positive something. 4844 makes all rollups cheaper. And so our calculus has always very clearly been, okay, well then we should work on it because even if you're scared of zero sum intuitions, like Jesse was talking about, the path is clear. Um, it was seeing Coinbase get involved with that, that really started to open our eyes to there being a, a very strong, actual positive force that's actually walking the walk of decentralization. Because again, it's the exact same thing, but being done from a large, you know, fortune 500 company. Right. So those were the earliest threads and, and Coinbase was huge along with um, everyone else in the community who eventually came on board over the course of the past year um, and getting that to happen. So that was the moment where it started to unlock for us that Coinbase was like actually kind of got it. Like Jesse, like they, they've got it, you know, there's like the web two, to web two, web 2.5. That's why it's, it's probably web 2.6. They're headed towards like 2.75. You know what I mean? Uh so that was the starting point. And then th we just continued to collaborate and, you know, have conversations and started to realize that all this was uh, was actually going to make sense. One perspective I'll share here, and I actually 
I, I don't know if I've shared this with Ben. I think I talked about it with Liam, but like we, it took us a while to figure out that we should build an L2. And in October, in September of last year, um, me and uh, Michael DeHoog, who's you know kind of leading all the technical stuff, has been landing a ton of PRs on the OP stack. We were thinking about it, and I had this conversation with um, our at the time chief product officer Surge uh, over dinner. It was just like at a random event where I was like, "Hey, we're thinking about this." And he's like, mm, "Like I don't know. Like I know you've been talking about L two. Should we just pick one?" And we talked through like, well, "Here's maybe why this makes sense." And he looked at me and he said, "Jesse, if you want to do this, you just have to ship it." Like, don't ask for permission, just ship it. Because um, Coinbase is a big company and you have to figure out how to cut through the bureaucracy. And I went home that night. I messaged Michael. I said, Michael, what can we ship in one week? And obviously we couldn't ship the like whole L2. That would, that would have been impossible. Um, but what we did ship was we shipped the first version of Base, the first test net called BaseNet, um, which runs on CoinNet. Uh, CoinNet is our like POA Ethereum L1 internal testnet. BaseNet is our version of Base running on uh, the POA uh, testnet as the layer two. Um, and we did that in a week and we were like, whoa, there's something here. Uh, we launched it internally. People got excited. And then I went through like a month or no, you're not a month, like a few weeks of being like, okay, how do we talk to optimism about this? Like we, we are, we, we think that this is a good idea. We want to fork this. Like we want to collaborate on this. And I remember the first call with Liam where I was like, Hey Liam, like, you know, we, we launched an internal test net. We're thinking about launching an L2, like want to get your perspective. What do you think? And I was nervous. I was like, he's going to be like, oh man, like, don't do that. We'd be mad if you did that. And he was like, hell yeah, let's do this. How can we help? Um, and then it was off to the races. And, you know, it's been six months now of just building together and, um, you know, one super team, one super dream. One super chain. Uh, we've been working hand to hand to figure out how to do this in a way that, um, you know, is a win, win, win for Coinbase, for optimism, for um, the broader crypto ecosystem um, and, and brings us closer, most importantly, to getting a million builders so that we can have a billion users. That's what it's all about. A million builders, a billion users. Trade DeFi like a pro with Orbs Layer 3. Orbs has integrated with SpookySwap, SpiritSwap, and Pangolin to bring you decentralized algorithmic trading. Currently live on all three DEXs, you can trade DeFi with an edge via Orbs decentralized time-weighted average price order type. Reduce price impact, dollar cost average, and more with DTWAP's intuitive UI. Learn more at orbs.com slash DTWAP. Let's double click into that super chain. What is it? And was that the moment that that concept was kind of born? I got to shout out my co-founder, Carl Flirsch, among many others on the OP Labs team. I think it was over a year ago at this point that Carl came to me and started saying this super chain word. And I was like, bro, that's cr- What are you talking about? That's, that's crazy. And the, more, and the more and more we dug into it, the more and more it became a reality. So I'll, I'll share some of the background and, and maybe Jesse, you can hop in and share it from Coinbase's perspective, but I'll share some of the background from the optimism perspective where we've basically been heads down trying to scale Ethereum for the past five, six, seven years in various forms. So basically we have a huge moment that we can look at as like a truly historic moment over the past couple of years, which is the shift um, in Ethereum towards the roll-up centric roadmap. So maybe you've heard that buzzword, you've seen the Vitalik post, whatever. 
The point is, a while back, we realized that rollups would do great things. They would lower fees a lot, and they would allow us to scale. The reality is that took a long time on its own to build. And the payoff was great. We felt the pressure of, you know, especially when gas fees were rising three years ago, we felt the pressure to deliver something that could provide exactly what Ethereum provides, the great EVM, the fantastic properties of decentralization, and a great way to develop products, but at something that wasn't so expensive at a lower cost. The reality is that that was a great stepping stone and it took quite a while to get it right. Like I mentioned, the bedrock release of the OP stack is basically over a year of us just sitting down and saying, okay, we've learned a lot from running this thing in prod. How do you make the best dang, most extensible, most flexible roll-up architecture possible. And that's what Jesse alluded to. And that's why we no longer have to think about just being an optimistic roll-up for all, for all time. It's not ZK versus, it's ZK and, right? All of those things. At the end of the day, we've now had a roll-up running for two years. And as we started realizing that, okay, the single roll-up thing is getting good, the question becomes, what is next? And the reality is that one of these chains, while it lowers cost, will not scale in the way that we need to meet global demand, right? It was a great step, right? Because you weren't bullish enough on chains if you get them as cheap as a roll-up. But also, you're not bullish enough on crypto adoption, like having a million apps and a billion users, like Jesse said, right? You just can't do that on the confines of a single chain, right? At the same time, already, I don't know how many of the listeners have gone and interacted with a lot of these L2s. They're doing some incredible work, but we're... Uh, pushing the limits on how uh, both from application development and from usability by having these chains. Like you've got to go like, what's your RPC provider? You've got to change your chain ID, edit your settings in MetaMask. You've got to find a bridge. Is this bridge legit? Oh my God. For the past year, like billions of dollars have been hacked through bridges. So obviously I need to have like some sense of safety or care here, but you know, so these chains are great, but not one of them is going to be enough. And already having multiple of them is stressing the limits of what's possible, right? So we need something better. And that thing is the super chain. The super chain is a bunch of L2s coming together and saying, we are going to build together and we are going to scale together. And we are going to basically create a decentralized network of chains. This is what it all comes down to. It all comes down to taking a bunch of these rollups and other L2s, which are necessary if you want to reach global scale, but not fracturing all the liquidity and not fracturing all the user base, not requiring that there's now a thousand chain IDs to keep track of and view my you know, assets on a bunch of different places, right? It's about returning it to one single thing, right? So the goal of the super chain is to basically put all these chains on a shared standard and continuously improve their interoperability, the user experience, the consistency of the developer experience, work towards a future in which we can get all the benefits that are necessary for having multiple chains, but we can also get all of the advantages that come with one cohesive network, right? When you go on the internet, right? You're not thinking of what is my ISP? What is the IP address of my router? It all just happens in the background and we need to make the same transformation to happen to chains. So that's the goal 
of the super chain. Amazing. And who's committed to the super chain today? OP Maynan Base, baby. I mean, look, commitment is a hard word. I want to be very, very clear in expectation set. There's a long path ahead and it's going to be a very incremental one, right? We're not going to suddenly come online and everyone's going to be able to send their assets everywhere. And, you know, MetaMask, you know, chain switching is dead and long live the super chain, right? It's not going to be like that. But it's clear that this is exactly the positive sum playbook that we take for individual L2s applied to a network of them in an inevitable future where there are a lot of them. So many people are excited about joining the super chain. Really excited to see how that continues to shape up. It is going to be a long journey, you know, to start base and optimism mainnet are going to be running alongside each other. And we're going to have to figure out how do we increase interoperability between them. Um, but I think, I think we're going to be able to do it. Uh, I think we're going to be able to, to bring in more people to see that shared vision. I think we're excited to have people build on the OP stack. We're also excited for people to, to find other ways to join the super chain. I think we have opinions and perspectives around there's like, you know, value in having shared code, but we definitely don't feel like we have all the answers. And there's so many brilliant folks in this community. I think we are looking for and excited about um, basically anyone wanting to come and collaborate with us, whatever their background, um, whatever their perspective, as long as they share this vision for, um, you know, the, the parts being greater than the sum of the whole and, and working together to scale Ethereum and to scale the on-chain economy. And so if you're interested in doing that with us, please reach out. You can find me and Ben on Twitter. Um, you can email build at base.org. Um, you can email the OP, OP Labs and Optimism team, um, apply for a grant uh, in the OP collective grant making process. Just do something great and then earn retroactive funding through the OP retroactive funding process, which we're about to run, I think, second round of right now. Um, so, yeah, like all, all hands on deck to scale the crypto economy. Okay, Jesse, I have to take that opportunity to just plug the, pub the public goods funding because it's just too good of a segue for me to not simultaneously acknowledge and then ruin the flow of the segue and then actually go on to say the thing. Public goods funding needs to be a key pace, piece of how we create the super chain. Because while Ethereum and crypto have done a lot of things right, Historically, we have not done a good job of continuing to fund the public goods that drive value to the ecosystem. There are some seriously unsung heroes of the entire industry that are just heads down, keeping these networks alive, fixing security critical bugs and making sure that they roll out in a responsible manner. So many things across the ecosystem. And when you have a super chain, those problems are not you know, don't disappear. They're magnified. There's lots of places where this is going on now and a lot more diversity to Jesse's point. So that's why, yeah, check out optimism.io slash retro. Oh, I don't have the URL optimism.io and click the retro PGF link funding public goods. It's core to our sustainability as an ecosystem that the people who are providing the value and making this stuff work, continue to have an avenue to do that. That is not only acceptable but profitable and that's how it should be so and just to spell that out in 101 language as part of this retroactive public goods funding round that optimism is running we will distribute something like 20 million dollars to people who have done incredible work on public goods and who we want to recognize retroactively so they're not applying from grants community members are identifying these people did great work and we should reward them 
And that's what retroactive public goods funding is all about. Very good call out. I should have explained the thing that I was showing. Yeah. Key piece of the optimism collective, optimism IO slash vision, the impact to the collective should be rewarded with profit to the individual. Let's go, baby. Absolutely. And then how should listeners think about the super chain compared to something like Cosmos shared security? I mean, without going into too much technical details and with the caveats that Jesse said of this being a collaborative effort that we're going to figure out incrementally and not having all of the answers solved. I think it's very important to say that um, L2 is a key piece of the narrative here where you are securing all of these chains by securing them into Ethereum, right? So if you want to talk about shared security, if anything, I would say that some of the multi-chain approaches um, as they've evolved over the past few years, at least speaking from um, optimism's perspective, a key piece of why we've always believed that layer two is so critical is because sharing security with the most secure thing possible is extremely important. And that's Ethereum. Um, at least both secure and sufficiently extensible to be able to do this. So that's a little bit about it. There's definitely similarities. Definitely similarities. But I, I, I think Ben's point on, on um, secured by Ethereum is super important. Like we are all secured by Ethereum. That is kind of a core ethos here. Um, and I think that's the thing that is, is kind of a foundation that allows us to almost experiment a little bit more with some of the interoperability stuff and focus our efforts definitely more on some of the interoperability stuff because we already have this um, foundational layer in Ethereum that can provide so much decentralization, can provide so much security um, uh, that we can then be like, okay, let's take that as a, a kind of component of the architecture and then figure out how we build the system on top of it that works really great from an interoperability perspective. I think that's a really powerful, I mean, it's a really powerful tool. It's, and it's why base is built as layer two. It's why base, you know, literally the first thing when we define what is base, we say base is secured by Ethereum, empowered by Coinbase, powered by the OP stack. Amazing. And then Eva, Ben, you know, if Coinbase succeeds in bringing hundreds of millions of users on chain, what are some of the challenges and opportunities you expect to see across your protocols and ecosystems? Maybe I can go first. So, um, you know, within the graph ecosystem, there's quite a few roles. So the first thing that comes to mind is like we want developers running the base and OP stack nodes. Um, and that's really what we need to realize this vision of decentralization of like decentralized data access. You have hundreds, hopefully thousands of nodes that are operating and, and serving you that data. So that would be one of our first challenges is trying to make sure that everyone's comfortable running the OP nodes and the base nodes and, and comfortable just with the nuance of that ecosystem. Um, that's something we've noticed um, just having expanded now to several chains on mainnet is every single chain is so different. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's uh, the actual nuance of the tech stack or just even the community itself. So we'd want to make sure that everyone was kind of prepared for that. Um, in thinking about DAP development, like really our, our goal as the graph is to make sure there's more DAPs. Um, and the graph is just sort of that, that standard layer for data access. Um, we want to make it as easy as possible. So um, thinking about new use cases and new ways that developers can get involved with BASE if maybe they have no former knowledge. Um, that's one of the areas we're really excited about. So um, you know, going on campus, teaching people who might just be a JavaScript developer. I think I said that earlier. But that's really what we think about is like JavaScript's the most popular language in the world. There's literally millions of developers, maybe thousands, maybe not millions. Um, but, you know, how do we get them excited and interested? And can base and OP stack in the graph be that way that they can then learn about these chains without sort of the burden of like learning solidity and learning everything about the EVM? Yeah, there's an interesting I've got I've got to stop calling out the segues that I'm using to build on what Eva just said. There's. 
one of the challenges that I think that we'll face is exactly what Eva was alluding to around compatibility. So like it's a huge bonus of both base and optimism mainnet being on the same shared stack, the OP stack, which means that exactly that thing you were talking about, Eva, of having to integrate one off chains. This is a perfect example of what we want to basically be able to uh, fight against with the super chain is like, hopefully what you guys have been seeing is that integrating base is 10 times easier because you've already in, uh, integrated optimism and they're the same code base, right? At the same time, that does prevent Tegan a challenge because we're going to have to balance the agility and the creativity of the community with the adherence to standards, right? So right now, like stack.optimism.io, if you are a hacker and you want to have your mind blown, go there and run up a chain and make some modification. But if you do, you might have just broken compatibility with the graph. So you got to be careful, right? Um, and so there's going to be a balance that will strike there because we need people to be innovative. And we also don't want to accidentally break compatibility with the super chain immediately or something, right? So that's one trade-off. More broadly, I, I, the challenge is what we've been talking about here, which is the horizontal scaling of the super chain. The reality is that uh, to hit a billion users that are transacting at any regular significant interval, no one chain that we see today will suffice. Um, so I'm just rehashing that we need to scale the super chain. Um, but it is truly important because what we've seen is that people get preconceived notions about what blockchains are based on the properties of throughput and cost that they see today. And I, the reality is that once blockchains are truly scaled, so much of those intuitions will be broken and thrown out the door. And all of those conversations about I'm a web two company, how do I get involved in web three becomes so much easier when the databases that you're dealing with in web two, aren't just like so many orders of magnitude cheaper and like more performant. Right. So the name of the game is scaling. Nobody has done it to the extent that we need. We've taken some great steps. Base is a huge, going to be a huge milestone here, but we need to get, get it over the finish line. And that's going to be years. If we want to have a million builders, I think we also just need to keep making it like literally just as easy as humanly possible to build. And that's like across the board. It's just like better wallets, better developer tools, um, better ways of acquiring users when you have an app that works. Um, there's, I, I feel like in the last year, we've started crossing the chasm a little bit of now you can actually build really useful apps. And now we need to like do the final 10%, 20% of polish on that developer experience, which I think will deliver 10x, 100x uh, impact in terms of making it. So like Eva said, all those Java, Java, uh, JavaScript developers can start writing apps. Um, and it takes them, you know, 30 minutes to get started, not 30 days. Uh, I think that just refinement um, and continued investment in all the developer tooling and making it really, really great is um, very top of mind for me. Absolutely. And there's so much regulatory fear right now. And Jesse, you all launched right into it. Tell us a little bit about how those conversations went and how you're thinking about the regulatory landscape. And Brian, our CEO, had a good tweet on this. And shout out to Brian and Paul, our chief legal officer, who I think have been doing a really admirable job over the last year, um, kind of advocating for the crypto economy and the importance of you know letting innovation continue to thrive in the crypto economy. But what Brian said a few weeks ago is he said, when everyone's fearful, it's time to build. Um, and that's kind of our thesis here. It's like, yes, we need to be going out and talking to regulators. Yes, we need to be doing the policy work. Yes, we need to be uh, advocating for these things. And we need to be building. 
Um, and that's what we're trying to do with BASE. We see BASE as you know, a scaling solution for Ethereum. Um, we've, over the last year, really advocated for um, the, the right of developers to run Ethereum nodes, to run validators, um, uh, to have open source code uh, be protected as, as a right for people to run, as a, people for, for, as a right for people to build. Um, and we see BASE as an extension of that advocacy. Um, now we want to make it so more people can have access to Ethereum. So more people can can run uh, code that they write. So more people can um, interoperate and engage on this open economy that's being built. And our vision is to create, create uh, more economic freedom globally. And we don't think there's any better way of doing that than ensuring that these platforms that we're building the crypto economy on remain open, remain accessible to all, remain global, and become cheaper and cheaper and more and more secure so that everyone everywhere can build an app and everyone everywhere can use that app. And that's what this, that's what this is all about. Amazing. And then is there a circumstance in the future where this becomes a permissioned KYC chain where users have to KYC before being able to use the, the base chain? Like I said, we think about base as an extension of Ethereum. And we uh, have been strong advocates over the last year for the permissionlessness of Ethereum, for the right to run a validator, for the right of developers and users to run, uh, write, and execute open source software. Um, and we're planning to uh, build on that legacy with BASE. Uh, we've written extensively about the kind of path to decentralization and permissionless on our blog. If you go to base.mirror.xyz, um, we're working with Optimism on this closely. That's one of the big reasons why we're working with them because they have been such a leader uh, from a decentralization perspective uh, and they form a really nice complement uh, to Coinbase in terms of that aspect. Um, and we'll be sharing more as we head towards mainnet. But again, our goal is to extend and scale the platform uh, of Ethereum uh, just like you know, people have been extending and scaling the openness of the internet for the last 30 years. Absolutely. And on that decentralization path, do you imagine the sequencer being decentralized over time? Absolutely. Yeah, all of it. Everything. We think about this across a few axes, uh, sequencer decentralization, uh, fault proofs going live and being increasingly decentralized, additional proving systems, uh, clients being decentralized, i.e. we have multiple clients for the OP stack. Um, and then I think most importantly, the upgrade keys uh, for these contracts on L1 uh, being decentralized. And we think that is um, something that can sometimes be overlooked. But, you know, recent events like the Oasis um, thing show that if you have centralized points of control, um, that poses risks to some of the systems that we're building. And so across those four axes, our goal is to work with Optimism um, and the broader community building on the OP stack to make the technology that we're running as secure, decentralized, scalable as possible while making sure it remains open, uh, permissionless, and uh, freely available for everyone. Amazing. And how and when can developers start building on base? Now. You can start building on base now. If you go to base.org, uh, you can get started. We have docs at docs.base.org. Uh, we have faucets at coinbase.com slash faucets, so you can get uh, uh, base at Gurley ETH. Um, uh, if you have questions, you can join our Discord. You can find the link to that on base.org. Um, or you can tweet at me uh, or tweet at build on base, and we'll try our best answer. Uh, and we're really excited for folks to get started. Uh, it's been remarkable seeing the response over the last five days. 
Uh, I think we've had more developers building in the Coinbase ecosystem over the last five days uh, in the entire history of Coinbase. Um, and we're, we're excited to continue building on that momentum uh, and continue making uh, Base the home for everyone. Um, because we want to make it so, uh, you know, more people, uh, a, mil a, a million builders in 2023, a billion users in 2024. Amazing. And how are you thinking about the incentive structure? Will there be a token for base? No token. Uh, you know, one of the things that we really believe is uh, we can find product market fit without a token. Um, Ethereum in many ways has found product market fit without a token. Uh, it's found product market fit for a lot of the kind of high value uh, scaled use cases. Um, and I think what we've seen is that, you know, we haven't really seen chains find that product market fit yet for the kind of consumer scale um, uh, use cases. And so what we've seen is that people have figured out how to use the token to drive activity, um, but that's not the only way to drive activity. The other way to drive activity is to build really great product. Um, we're gonna do that by making base a really great developer platform so that a million builders can build the next wave of, wave of applications that bring a billion users on chain. Amazing. And then the final question for all of you, we like to end each episode by asking, how are you defiant? Maybe Eva, if you want to kick it off. Is this just in crypto world or in life in general? Just in life in general, whatever direction you want to take it. Okay. I really try not to use banks at all. Like um, I'm living fully on chain and it causes difficulties, but I think the cost is worth it. Um, the other way I'm defiant is I like to eat shrimp tails. And I know that's not a thing. <laughs> all plus one what Ava said Eva said um, I try and do as much on-chain activity as I possibly can you know I now pay everyone on on L2 optimism now optimism and base in the future um, I find that the number of like learnings and conversations that that sparks is incredibly high and then how am I defiant I mean I spent the last two years inside of the largest crypto company in the world that's a centralized Fortune 500 company trying to figure out how do we make this business come on chain? How do we embrace decentralization? Um, how do we lean into all this incredible stuff that's happening out there and hasn't yet been happening in here? It's required defiance. It's required believing. It's required thinking that there's something more that all of us can be a part of. And super grateful for the support of the Coinbase team, folks like Brian, for for giving all of us the space internally to do that exploration. Yeah, Jesse's got a Jesse's got a Fortune 500 launching it out too. That's the that's that was an alley to that oop. My gosh, um, I'm defiant by making horrible uh, crypto music on my Twitter. So check it out if you want to be cringe slash. Uh, entertained. And then I would just say for a long time, optimism has been shouting about public goods from the rooftops. And in many ways that has felt defiant, we've had a lot of conversations with people that are saying, well, aren't you just going to get, you know, rugged? Isn't some massive player going to come in and just steal the show? And we now have a big player that is not stealing the show, but it is adding to the show and making it all positive some. So I felt like that was defiant. Hopefully it's no longer going to be defiant with Coinbase as a big old proof point in that direction. Amazing. Taking it mainstream. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Tegan. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.